it felt so much more real and open and honest to sit in the truth of where I was and just to say to people, I genuinely don't know right now. Ever felt like you're just winging your way through life, hoping you'll find the answers to life's important issues along the way? Hey, I'm Gabby Mendez, and this is my podcast, Talk Twenties. On this podcast, I'll be chatting to my friends and fellow 20-somethings on different topics that matter to you in your 20s. So if you're ready, let's go. So hello and welcome to the Talk 20s podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Gregg. Sarah is a relatable, no-nonsense expert on mindset, happiness and flow. Sarah is a member of the British Psychological Society, certified NLP practitioner, life coach and business coach with over a decade of experience in the field. She has recently released her first psychology self-help book, Find Your Flow, published by Corto. And I absolutely love this book. It's really helped me control my mindset and really get myself on the right track on a daily basis. And we're here to chat a little bit more about it today. So hello, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. Hello. I'm so excited to be here because we connected a long time ago. Yes, we did. Ongoing relationship. And I love that it's ended up on a podcast. So I'm so happy to be here and to be part of this. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And just to set a little bit of background, um, Sarah kind of reached out to me when I put on social media two years ago now that I was looking to change career. Um, And I was looking to change uh, from teaching at the time. If you've listened to my previous episodes of the podcast, you'll know that. And at that moment in time, I kind of didn't know what direction I was gonna go in. And Sarah kind of reached out with some really useful tips and advice for me when I was feeling in such an uncertain place. And the reason I reached out to her, you know, at this moment in time is because what we're experiencing right now with coronavirus is a challenging job market. And I definitely think that if I was graduating in this moment in time, I would be feeling exactly how I felt when Sarah first reached out to me. So it's really important that we get her on the podcast today to talk all about the kind of psychology of flow because Sarah has so many kind of pearls of wisdom that she can share with us to help you feel in control of the situation that you are putting and make some positive changes in your life to move towards where you are looking to go and also find your feet as well. So Sarah, tell us a little bit more about you, how you kind of come to where you are today and a little bit more about your book. So I'll try and keep it short and succinct because it's quite a long story, but I think it's very apt for these times because my journey to find my flow, fulfill my dream of becoming an author, set up my own business, I travel the world full time at the minute, all started from the lowest point of uncertainty where I you know life looked really good on the outside but on the inside I felt really unhappy not fulfilled not really who I was I I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life what I enjoyed anymore there was a lot of resistance and the only way that I knew how to get off that that treadmill was to hit the emergency stop button you know that big red button that you press it just throws you off what that looked like for me at that time was selling my house selling all my stuff and I mean everything knives forks clothes bags everything went quitting my job and then leaving with my backpack I kept my husband he was allowed to stay (laughs) (laughs) and getting on a plane with and I hand on heart mean this with no idea what I wanted to do with my life 
with no idea what direction I was going in and facing just a, a blank page, which felt exciting, but also really, really scary because we're not used to feeling the unknown, particularly when you've grown up in and followed an education system and followed the rules. And I was very much a rule-based person, you know, I'm, I was the good girl, like I you know, studied at school, I I got a job, I, you know, I ticked all the boxes and that gave me that sense of control. It made me feel like I'm doing the right thing because I can tick all those things off my list. And all of a sudden, when you remove those things from your life, when you remove the status of, you know, this is what I do for a living or this is what I'm working on right now, and you don't have a clue and how, how do you even say that to people? It, it's a really difficult place to be and sit in, particularly in a society where we value that, where you sit around the dinner table, you know, or you meet a new person. How long does it take for someone to say, so what do you do for a living? Or, you know, what are you working on right now? Or, you know, where are you going to? That That's how we mm-hmm. talk in society. Or if you're a 20 something, you know, when your your grandparent, your aunt and, and everyone asks, you know, what job have you got lined up? Where What are you doing next? Like, what's your next step? And it's like, hang on, I'm, I'm still just, you know, I've only just graduated give me a chance but you know people always want to know your next step what your plans are and it's always you're right always based around this career and that kind of being your identity and that can be really scary if you know you don't know where that's going because how do you explain that to someone because people don't always get it do they exactly and it's it's really hard to experience for yourself I find that I didn't have the words to describe it because it was more of a feeling for me and it was a really uncomfortable scenario to sit with friends and to, and to be honest, because my temptation was to say, yeah, I've got a plan and I've got something figured out and I think I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. But actually what I learned was it felt so much more real and open and honest to sit in the truth of where I was and just to say to people, I genuinely don't know right now and I don't know how to answer your questions. And in fact, sometimes when you ask me these questions, it, it makes me more anxious because I, I genuinely don't have the answer right now. And actually that then opened up a deeper level of conversation and a deeper level of relationships, you know, with my family and with my friends, albeit it's difficult to just to be true to yourself in that moment because mm-hmm. we like wearing those masks of everything's great. I've got it all sorted. Don't worry, guys. I've got a plan that feels safe and comfortable. The hard thing to do is to drop those masks to release that armor and be like, I don't know. And I'm quite worried and scared right now. But I think it's that that really kind of sets you free. Mm, Absolutely. And if you are in a difficult situation right now, mainly due to the current circumstances, perhaps you're a 2020 graduate, or perhaps you've recently been made redundant, or perhaps, you know, you were changing jobs in between these current circumstances and have landed in a situation you didn't plan to be in. It's okay to tell people that, you know, you're not sure what direction you're going in next and that, you know, you don't currently have a plan and you're still figuring it out. Because I think don't panic yourself necessarily about always trying to prove that you're on to the next step and and explain exactly what you've just said, Sarah, that sometimes it can bring up a deeper discussion and a deeper kind of understanding of another person's situation. So I think you're right. It's it's important to be open and honest about how you're feeling because that's the best way that you can get support from your friends and family. 100% and it is a hard thing to do. And I think it was that openness that really led me to flow because what intrigued me the most about flow was I'd lived my life quite, I'd say quite rigidly. You know, I followed a plan. I liked that sense of control. I didn't like the unknown. But what I'd realized was that plan didn't necessarily bring me happiness. You know, I had success and achievement and I'm very, very grateful for all those things. 
Um, but I wasn't fulfilled. And at the end of the day, if you have you know, a house full of stuff that makes you miserable, then is it really worth anything if you're living a life because you're doing what you feel other people feel that you should do as opposed to what you want to do? Then is that really what success looks like? And so what I love about flow is it gives you that sense of control. So it gives you that intention, but it also offers that point of surrender where you just you just live and you're open to the universe and you accept the things that you can control and release the things that you can't. And I think there's so much freedom and liberation in that, you know, rather than being very rigid, very close-minded and resisting life, you know, I think a lot of people and myself included during coronavirus, you know, you know, have experienced resistance where you fight against what is, you know, so if you imagine a stream, like a flowing stream of water, you know, when we flow, we we move with the current of our life. We don't resist it. When we try to swim against that current, you know, that's when we're resisting. That's the and that looks like in our conversations. Why do I have to graduate at this time? Why is it me that has lost my job? What have I done to deserve this? There's no opportunities. There's no possibilities. You know, and and that's when you fight against what is. But when you accept it and you go okay, this is the current situation. I can't change that there's a pandemic. I can't change that my particular sector is facing those job cuts, but here are the things that I can do. That enables you to flow towards new opportunities. And that's where life can open up for you in different and unexpected ways in the way that it did for me. You know, I had a childhood dream to write. I wrote it down before I left on my trip. I was like, you know, if I could be anything in the world, what would I be? And it was like, I would would write books, but I had... I mean, literally, I'd never written anything. I didn't even have a blog. Um, I had nothing at that stage. And I just started with those small little steps. You know, I started an Instagram account. I started to do like a very small blog. I'd say maybe kind of tops had 200, 300 readers. But I just followed what felt right. I just flowed with it. I trusted the process, trusted myself in the process. And that's how I got the book day. Like made a random post on Instagram one day about the journal. And it just so happened that one of the followers, one of my followers was a book editor in New York for one of the biggest book publishing companies. And she was like, I love this post. I think it's really interesting. Do you want to pitch for a book deal? And I ended up like, and then cue me kind of sitting in a cafe in Belfast, just like frantically Googling, <laughs> how do you write a book deal? Like, I didn't have a clue. But I think that is the joy of life. You know, when you stop resisting and you're just open to the possibilities and you trust yourself in the process that you're a talented, skilled, valuable individual. And if you just move towards and take those little steps every day, they accumulate. And I think the journal system has really helped me do that. And that's kind of the background to how the book began. I fell in love with flow. It's a state in psychology, if you don't know about it, that is where we feel our best and perform our best. So often success and fulfillment are viewed as kind of one or the other. It's like a paradox, two different sides of a coin. But in flow, they're the same thing. It's where you you feel and are more, you're 500% more productive, for example, and yet you're also happier at the same time. And often we view those things as two paradoxes. And I think that flow is one of the most under-discussed issues in psychology, but it offers 
so much freedom, particularly for the current situation that we're in and beyond. Definitely. And you know, when I was doing a little bit of research for this episode, I tried to kind of look into the psychology of flow and there isn't that much information on it. You are probably one of the very few people who have written and spoken about it within your book, which I absolutely loved reading because I felt like in every single sentence, it spoke to me. It spoke to me at this moment in time. And I was like, I need this just as much as, you know, any anyone else. And why haven't I ever been taught this, you know, in school? Like, we're always kind of told that, you know, you you believe that happiness is, is linked to success. And mm-hmm. realistically, you know, it's actually not. And, and I think the other thing that you kind of really explore in the book is that it's not about the destination, it's about the journey that you're going on, which, you know, I sometimes forget. I always think like, oh, these are my goals and I want to go there and I, I less appreciate, you know, the things that I'm experiencing on the way. So it's really made me sit back and reflect. And I'm so excited that you're here to kind of talk us through a little bit more and explain the book. And you can obviously get it yourself over on all good book platforms. We're not just going to shout out the big one that you can get. <laughs> in a day or two but make sure you go and uh, check out Sarah's book as well because you know you'll want to read it um I absolutely love it so talk us a little bit through the process because there are some kind of four kind of clear steps to kind of how you should manage your day and uh, talk us through the benefits of of each one so obviously we kick start with kind of how we wake up in the morning which is so important and I read this book and I'm like oh my god she's literally walked into my bedroom and she's watched me wake up in the morning because I the first thing I do and I'm sure the first thing that many 20 somethings do when they wake up is they pick up their phone and they check their notifications that have happened overnight so I check my Instagram I check my Facebook I check my emails I'm still lying in bed at this point. My eyes are barely open. And that is the first thing I'm doing that day. I'm probably consuming news. I'm probably consuming, you know, things that I love, things that I don't love. And whoa, that kind of wake up call is intense. Explain why you think that you shouldn't wake up that way and and how with the kind of psychology of flow, you can change that to completely reframe your whole day. Absolutely. When I first started to write this book and I thought, you know, I integrated the the psychology of flow into the journal system so I didn't have to think about every day. You know, there's three core conditions for flow. I integrated them in and the journal system was the easiest way to do it. And then when I started to research mornings and how important our mornings are, the the science really does blow you away. And when you think about it, it's like, yeah, I've opened my eyes. I did the same thing as you. I've opened my eyes before I've even had the opportunity to connect or think about how I feel. I've invited probably 400 people into a room to like, you know, shout their thoughts at me before I first kind of figure out how, what I'm thinking about the day. And I read, and I think this study really sums it up perfectly, which is um, there was a study um, conducted by some psychologists and they looked at what happened if they took two groups and one group consumed just three minutes of negative news in the morning before 10 a.m., which, let's face it, is pretty easy to come by these days. <laughs> you know, it's not hard to find. And what if they took another grip and they got them to watch three minutes of solution-focused news? So in other words, you know, inspiring stories about human perseverance, things that really uplift you and make you feel good. What impact would that, would those three minutes have on a person's mood? And what they found was, you know, seven to eight hours later, 
the group that watched just the three minutes of negative news were 27% more likely to report an unhappy mood. So just that simple act of maybe flicking on the TV or going into your news or even reading like an Instagram post that really pisses you off or makes you feel mm. rubbish about yourself, mm. you know, that is enough then to cause that ripple effect of your day. And I think if you can pay more attention to your mornings in just those few minutes, it will have the most incredible impact on the rest of your day. And it doesn't take a huge amount of time. So it's for that reason that the journal system for flow starts with a gratitude practice. Just writing down three things that you're grateful for each day. The reason for writing down the three things is because in psychology, it's proven to rewire your brain. It activates what we call confirmation bias, where you start to look for more good in the world. When you feel positive, your brain is like, it, it starts to observe more of it. So you become a more positive person. It also activates a part of our brain called the epithymus that regulates stress and emotions. Again, really important for this time and gives you that hit of dopamine. So you get that feel good factor first thing all just by thinking about what are you grateful for. And I think oh, coronavirus is a bit of a paradox. It's taken away so much, but it's also, I think, made so many of us really grateful for the simple things in our lives. You know, toilet roll, <laughs> like, <laughs> the basics, you know, having food on the table, having a family, your friends, those connections, like whatever that is for you, paying attention to those small things and almost realizing that happiness is is already here like you might not be exactly where you want to be there are always things that are good in your life so just write down three things that you're grateful for that helps lay the foundations for flow because when we feel good and you probably can observe this in your own life when you feel good you have an increased sense of clarity you're able to make better decisions you're able to focus on what you want and that's where flow occurs when we don't feel good that's where we have that cognitive resistance where we're have that inner voice battling with us in our head from the moment that we wake up because maybe we've seen something on instagram like you know some influencer living their best life that then we're like why do they have that and i don't and then your whole day is in that battle with yourself and you're not able to engage with the outside world but when we feel good we're open to life and it just flows with greater ease so even if you don't do the rest of the journal system honestly if you can just nail the gratitude it will make a big difference to your life so i've been actually trying to work on my gratitude practice for a, a little while and it probably has been a bit fractured so some mornings mm -hmm. I really do it and pay attention to it and some mornings I'm like oh, I've overslept or you know I've got other things to do and I don't do it um, and that's me being completely honest here I'm not perfect no one is um, mm -hmm. but I have found honestly that when I do take literally five minutes sometimes not even that it's only three things you've got to think of when I do actually do it the difference in the way I kind of plan my day, the way it goes about is absolutely crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And my friends will go, oh, you sound like you're in a good mood today or, you know, and I'm like, oh, like, and it really, really does make a difference. And the other thing that really, really helps me too is also taking time out in the morning to exercise mm -hmm. as well. So um, I find those two things really, really crucial. And if I can try and avoid looking at my phone before I do those two things, I have a way better day than if I just go straight into kind of my morning work or my to-do list or anything like that. It's made a huge impact on my life. And I think the more that I see the benefits of it and the more days I have where I don't do it and I think, I've not had a good day because of that. 
it really yeah. makes me see that, you know, it actually works. Like this is something that can really change your day-to-day attitude and make you feel like you have a better day. So you're not, you know, going to bed at night thinking, oh my goodness, that was the worst day ever. So yeah. talk us through a little bit more of the, the the steps throughout the day that, you know, I think for me in particular, you can easily get caught in this busy trap where you're kind of oh, just, sure. you know, going on a hamster wheel. I've got this to do today. I've got this to do today. I need to do this. I need to apply for more jobs or I need to get through my working day or, you know, whatever your situation is. And I, I kind of, you know, forget sometimes, you know, what what do I actually enjoy doing and what makes me feel fulfilled and what gives me purpose? And one of the things you mentioned in your book is to, you know, if you're struggling to think of those things, list 100 things that you enjoy doing. And I haven't yet done it, but I started to think in my head and I got to about 10 and I was like, I'm stuck. I can't think of any more things that I like doing in my free time. Um, and that's crazy. Come on. Like there are so many things in the world that you can do. And, you know, and I think I'm going to take the time out, especially in the next couple of weeks to sit down and write that list so that if ever I'm like, you know, I've got a spare hour in the day, I can just flip back through and think, well, all of these things bring me joy. And, you know, they're not goal driven. They're not, you know, based on my career. They're just things that I like doing kind of for the hell of it sort of thing. And and that's going to be something that I take from your kind of the middle sections of, of your of your journaling practice. But talk us through a little bit more about, you know, uh, forward focus and total flow. So the next part is once you have that feel good factor and you're feeling good and you've got the mental clarity, we want to build on that. So we want to have it stack on top of it and make the most out of that state. So what comes next is forward focus. And this is where you plan your day. Now, there's a lot of different planners out there. Many of them are absolutely amazing. You know, productivity planners. You know, a lot of people like, you know, I love a to-do list. But I think for me, the struggle with a to-do list is exactly what you said. I tick it all off. It gives me a sense of self-worth, but it may not be what I want to do. It's kind of what I'm meant to do or what I should be doing or a way to kind of validate myself. And so when I developed the journal system for flow, I wanted something that brought more balance. So in forward focus, you'll set three high value priorities. They're things that you have to do today. They're your urgence and importance. So in other words, you know, like, let's take something simple. If you don't pay that credit card bill, you know, then that's going to cause problems and resistance for you further on down the line because you might incur a late charge. That's important. So just focusing on what really matters. So, you know, updating your CV, you know, getting your LinkedIn updated, like things that you can control and move forward to, but then balancing that out with high flow priorities. In other words, what are you going to do for you today? How are you going to integrate and weave happiness into your day? Which comes back to the point that you highlighted at the beginning, which is enjoy the journey. And often we just beat ourselves like, like a whip and a horse, you know, to get to the destination, to get to that goalpost that we forget to take in the scenery. And so what high flow priorities aim to do is just to purposefully and with intention, we flow and happiness into your day so that you have that sense of balance that today was a good day and you took, even if it's small, even if it's, I'm going to take 10 minutes to maybe write the book that I always wanted to, or 15 minutes to learn the guitar or paint or I'm going to go for a run or, you know, whatever happiness looks like for you. And if you're not sure, 
because a lot of people aren't sure. This is like the question that I get all the time. How do I know if I'm doing the right thing? Simple answer and the frustrating answer, you don't. I don't, you don't, but you've got to become your own scientist in life and experiment a little bit. You know, if you're not sure if you like it, give it a go. If you don't like it, score it off your list and move on to the next thing, but at least you're trying. So I love that process because it balances me, it centers me, it makes sure that my cup is always full as opposed to giving, 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 doing, 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 deplete myself until by like Sunday, I'm an exhausted heap and I can't struggle to find that motivation. This just keeps you in that nice, even flow where you're just always nourishing, looking after yourself so that you have the energy to do what matters most and that you know in your day, it almost relieves anxiety for me because I know each day I'm going to take like a little fraction of time for me and I'm going to really enjoy that because life is less about what we do and more about how you feel about what you do and if you don't feel good about what you do then the question is why am I doing that thing like why am I doing it and of course there's things that we just have to do that may not feel very comfortable or exciting but I think when you put them and integrate them into your schedule you can just flow past them because you accept it it's like I don't really want to clean the house today but I kind of have to do it you know so I'm I'm just going to accept it and move on so that's forward focus three things that you have to do three things that you want to do or where you feel flow and then this kind of links into the next part is total flow and this really links into the busyness so um, if like me you can start the day with your to-do list you open the door you leave and then you come back home you look at the to-do list and you haven't done anything on it you've got swept up in other people's priorities you've got completely distracted you don't know where the day has been Um, And I think many of us face that, the very noise and distraction-filled world. Total flow helps to bring your to-do list to life and to make sure and give you the best chance of you ticking it off because obviously there's things that you can't control. And it does this by training your attention. It's adapted a very simple process called imagery scripting, which is where you just script out part of your day. You know, it doesn't have to be all of it. And you just write down what you will see what you will hear and what you will see as the day progresses. What that does with your attention is it enables your attention to focus on those things. And it will almost kind of wave a little red flag if you move off course, if you move away from your flow. So the best kind of example of you know how our attention works in that way is, have you ever like, I don't know, wanted a particular outfit or car, and then all of a sudden you see that car or that outfit or that hairstyle everywhere. And you're like, I just see it everywhere. It's a sign that keeps on showing up. The reason for that is you've told your attention that that is important. And so it looks for it purposely. And so when we train our attention, what we do is we actually focus on how we want to feel in that scenario. So go in for that job interview or maybe speak into that recruiter on the phone. How do I want to feel? Like it's on my to-do list, but how do I want to feel on that phone call? I want to feel confident. I want to hear my voice sound enthusiastic. You know, I want to see myself write down different questions. So it's about bringing that to-do list more into what real life looks like rather than I've spoken to the recruitment agency. Great. But did it go how you wanted it to go? Did you actually know what you wanted as an end result for that? Have you thought about that? Because that's the most important bit. I use it a lot for presentations and for interviews because when 
your attention knows how it's meant to respond. It takes you out of that anxiety because you've literally said to your brain, this is what success looks like. When we go into that interview room, when I confidently shake that person's hand, when I hear my voice come out and strong, that's how I want to feel. Then your brain's like, cool, we got this. We know how to do this. And then you don't have to worry and you don't have to ruminate as opposed to putting your brain in a scenario and it's like, what, we're in an interview? How do you want me to react? I don't know what to do. And then that's when all the noise comes in. That's whenever you can't hear the questions that the interviewer is asking you. That's when your palms sweat and you're, you're, you're like, I don't know how to react. How could you possibly know? Your brain doesn't know. It's like a computer. You've got to tell it and you've got to direct it. So I think if you're the type of person who maybe is good at the to-do list but struggles with the follow-through or struggles with feeling good about what they do, then total flow is really transformational. Absolutely. And another thing you kind of talk about in total flow is attention thieves and how people can kind of take you away from that. Not necessarily people, you know, you talk about missed notifications, app messages, news threads, email inbox, social media threads that can kind of take you out of, you know, all of those things that you've listed. So the way you want to feel, they're kind of stealing your attention on a daily basis and stopping you from getting through to the things that you actually really need to get on with in order to have the the day that you want to have. And this can even happen in the time that you are spending for yourself. So you might think that, you know, sitting on the sofa, I'm just going to, you know, sit down and watch Netflix. But if you're scrolling on your phone and seeing, you know, reading through your missed notifications or going on social media, then they're still feeding your attention. And it's not, you're not actually then spending that time looking after you, you're kind of still consuming all that information. And I thought that was a really interesting point also to kind of experience that total flow that you have to be aware of that and realize kind of where your attention is is constantly going yeah and i think people don't realize that you have an attention budget so in the same way that you have you know we have like a recommended daily amount of calories before you know our body kind of starts to store weight or you know in in that same way we have a budget of attention that lasts our whole lifetime. Your attention is finite. You don't have an infinite amount of it. You can't watch TV and watch Netflix, but you can, but you're using up your attention budget. So you're literally deciding. It's almost like having a massive kind of like chocolate cake, you know, and then eating something else like that all stores up your calorie budget in the same way. Your attention budget works in the same way. So over a lifetime, it's 186 billion bits of information. That is the limit of human experience. That is all you get. That is your content of your experience. And what you focus your attention on is the story of your life. You know, that is your version of events. And so we have to be really, really careful with what we're focusing on, where we're giving our our energy and attention to, because that is your experience. And if you use it up on Netflix and your notifications, then you are sacrificing it elsewhere. Whereas if you have a healthier attention budget, you can still watch Netflix and you can still be on your phone, but you do it with intention. You you purposely say, that's my time now, just to unwind and I'm going to be on my phone, as opposed to it kind of consuming you. And I've done it, like you said, I'm definitely not perfect. Like I have to really watch on Facebook because, you know, those videos can easily lose 45 minutes of my day mm-hmm. if I'm not aware and I'm not careful of that. And it's easy done because those apps are designed, you know, they, they're free, but they make money off your attention. Mm-hmm. That is how they make their money. Mm-hmm. Because if you stay and you watch that video and you watch that advert, they profit from it. Mm-hmm. So just being really aware of that and thinking, okay, not only 
like about what I'm am I doing today but where am I giving my attention to and where do I not want to give it to and you can script for that as well like sometimes I'll write if I'm working on a, an important project I'll script I see myself put my phone on airplane mode you know I notice how I, if I go to reach my phone I notice how I remind myself that this project is more important and that I can check my phone later on and it works because I find it's almost like magic you know I find myself then reaching for the phone and then it's like that alarm bell goes off in your attention. It's like, no, 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 you told me not to do that. So I'm just going to warn you, do you want to proceed or do you not? And it's that that helps your day to flow. So there are the three steps in the morning. So gratitude, forward focus, total flow. After you've done that, it's the pace of surrender. It's where you have decided how you would like your day to go. And then you surrender to the day. And because your brain understands what the day looks like, how you want it to feel, how you want to experience things, then you have this openness to life. You're not standing, going, what should I do now? Or I'm not really sure. And having those debates in your head, which are just a waste of time. You've cleared that space. And now your day can just flow with greater ease because you're moving from step to step, knowing that this is what a good day for you looks like. And obviously, if things don't go your way, hey, that's fine. But what I love about my journals is each one to me is just evidence or just like this lovely feeling that if nothing else in life, each day I woke up and I tried, you know, I tried to do what was right for me. I tried to feel my best. I tried to, you know, make the most out of the time that I had. And I think as long as you can do that, may not be every day. We're not perfect. You know, and your days may not go to plan. But at least you have that peace of mind that you knew roughly where you were going to. And you took those micro steps and you experimented a little bit and you worked with your brain rather than working against it. I think sometimes we forget that we're human beings and that, you know, we are a complex organism and we've got to work with ourselves and with our inner world and it's more about that and less about trying to control other people you know and trying to control our experience by well if that person hadn't have done that or if they did this it's like you can't control any of that but you can control your inner state and that's really what helps that's what helps life to flow with with more ease absolutely and I think if you can start off your day with that routine even if you only achieve you know half of what you set out to do it is probably a far better day than if you don't do any of those things. And and that's yeah. a win, you know. Just getting through half of that is is brilliant. You've got to celebrate the small things. So moving into that kind of, you know, right. idea to celebrate the small things is as well as your morning routine and those three clear steps, you suggest some kind of nighttime reflection. And when I was reading your book, you, you state that research has shown that writing down your problems or a to-do list before you go to sleep is associated with a better night's sleep. Whereas I always thought that like, you know, if you're gonna do all those things before you go to sleep, then you'll have a really busy mind. But when I tried to do it myself, it felt like I was kind of relieving the the pressure yeah. and I was like, okay, well, I've given everything that I need to do tomorrow already some thought and I've kind of created an action plan and what I'm gonna do and I've written down what I've experienced today. And actually I can put that to rest now and my brain can switch off rather than going to sleep and it all kind of whirring around in my head, all these things and me not being able to get a good night's sleep. And I don't know about you right now, but 
during this kind of coronavirus and pandemic, I have been really struggling with sleeping and, mm-hmm. and, and turning off and I've been blaming it on, oh, you know, the last thing I do before I go to sleep is check my phone or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching something before I go to sleep and I can't switch off. But when I do this and I write down and reflect on my day, I write in my journal and, th- and things like that, it makes me feel so much better. And, you know, I'm off. I'm off like a light then. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's amazing. I think, again, like you, up until that point, I never, you know, I I, I did a gratitude practice for a while. That was probably the only form of journaling that I did until I developed the system. Um, And when it came to the the nighttime routine, I wanted wanted to experiment with a way to almost close that flow feedback loop in a day. And like you, I was a bit hesitant. I was like, really? Thinking about your problems before you go to sleep? I don't know. But it does really work. And I think, again, it comes back to that resistance versus flow. And we have these things bubbling in our head, but we tell our brains, we push it down and we go, no, no, that's for tomorrow. Don't think about that. Numb it with picking up my phone or distract myself in some other way. So don't have to think about that. But when you write it down, you just release it. It's like, right, that's out of me. That's out of my head. And it just does, it, it brings a deep sense of peace. The other thing that it does, and I think this has been really critical for, because the journey never ends, right? You know, like I developed the system and I, I've learned so much about myself through it, which has been really, really interesting because in the reflection at night, it's not only celebrating three things. So three things that went well or when you felt in flow, because when you observe, when you feel that sense of flow, you can then structure more of that into your day. You know, I, I tried, I don't know, like cold water swimming, you know, and I actually really loved it. So I'm going to write that down and I'm going to try to integrate more of that into my day. So that's a really kind of good thing to do also helps you learn how to self-validate so if you're like me and probably you you know the type of person who uh you know loves praise and accolades and somebody saying you've done a good job and you know we like that kind of like that reward it's hard to validate yourself you know those type of people that type of personality type are often the people who are their own harshest critics you know you look like you've got all your stuff together and you've got life figured out but inside you are beating yourself up all the time about the one thing that you didn't do that day in your massive ambitious to-do list and so when you can write down and celebrate those three things what you're actually doing is not only making yourself feel better before you go to sleep because you're really looking at well what went well today because our brains are naturally designed to look for the negative it's just a survival instinct it's just the way that we are but what you're also doing is learning how to create your own self-worth how to remove yourself from the external validation how to listen to what felt good for you as opposed to listening to all those external cues or you know i only did a good job because that person told me that i did it's like i felt really good when i did that you know when i'm understanding what's true to you and then the last bit of nighttime reflection is what didn't go so well and that's really where you write down you know your problems or you spot start to spot those unconscious behavioral lifts like you know for me it was like I have written down every day this week that I'm going to exercise first thing in the morning and I haven't done it once not one single time I have found an excuse or something different to do and then that helps me lean into what's really going on here because there's something deeper, there's a resistance there, there's something that's not working. And then I can experiment with my schedule. Okay, why don't I try like working out in the evenings if the morning isn't working for me or that person in my life is really 
like pissing me off every day and every day I write about that friend it's like there's a common correlation okay now I can explore that in a bit more depth so you learn so much about yourself not only do you learn about yourself but you accept yourself in greater ways and you get in touch with your own rhythm and flow of your own life because I think often and this is something the self-help industry is very um not great at it's like just follow those three steps and then you'll be happy. Just copy exactly what I did and then you'll be happy. And it's like, we're all unique individuals and flow is unique to you. So whilst this system would be universal, you know, I encourage people to experiment with it and what flows for me will not bring flow for you. And this is all about understanding who you are, what makes you happy, why are you doing the things that you do? You know, it it really helped me discover my purpose and what I wanted to do with my life. And it was all through those little micro steps each day, all the little O's that led to the big aha moments. And when you pay attention just to what you're doing each day, it's amazing how much faster you can grow as a person, as opposed to just, like you said, being on that hamster wheel, waking up, going through kind of the same autopilot each day. With the journal system, what you're doing is bringing awareness. You only live, you know, one life. You've only got one shot at this. Why not really kind of get to know yourself? Like, I think, like you say, when you're on that hamster wheel and you're just going day by day by day, kind of unconsciously, you're not paying attention to the things that make you happy, the things that, you know, are going to bring you joy and the things that, you know, you should be surrounding yourself with on a daily basis because you're just not tuned into it. And so, you know, you can't go back, you can't redo. So this is something that you can literally start today and it takes, you know, like t- 10 minutes of your day in the morning, 10 minutes of your day in the evening. I'm sure everyone has that time to give right now to create something that is gonna be so valuable in the long run. And even if just one of these elements, uh, you know, a nighttime reflection or morning gratitude is something that, you know, you can start to put in. If the whole thing is a little bit too much to, to take in in one go, just build in little parts of it. You know, you don't have to go crazy straight away, but exactly. there are there is something like you say for everyone in this. Um, and I'd encourage everyone, obviously Sarah's spoken about it in great detail here, but she talks about it way more in her book and breaks it down into really, really easy kind of sections gives you plenty of ideas for you know each of the parts of the journal and I, I thoroughly recommend um, making sure that you you get the book and you can find it if you go to findyourflowthebook.com or you can follow Sarah on Instagram at the power to reinvent but Sarah I just want to chat to you a little bit more kind of about your experiences you know that you've had going from straight into school you obviously had that real big aha moment like your transformation but I kind of wanted to ask what your biggest adulting disaster was or whether you have a funny story or- I've probably had quite a few mainly in the workplace I think <laughs> um for sure this is probably not a disaster but it's just it's a fun it's kind of a funny story it's one of my first memories of like my when I graduated and got like my first kind of big proper job, I've always kind of worked in like a male dominated industry. Um, and I find that quite intimidating, particularly like when I was in my twenties, you know, I was working with mainly older men kind of in their fifties. Um, I worked for like a government organization and I have to go into these meetings and I always felt really intimidated and I always wanted to like show myself in the right kind of like light. So I, I really tried too hard and I can remember like one kind of down to earth sobering moment, which was I was uh, working, uh, doing a presentation for the city council on quite like an important plan. And I was in this boardroom with like, you know, bone china, like 
mainly men, mostly kind of like in their 50s, 60s. And they were all ordering, like this girl came in, took the coffee orders. And I didn't drink coffee at that stage. And I was like, oh, um, just like have a juice, like just like a juice or a water. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get you a juice. And she arrived back in just as I was kind of like mid-flow presentation. And she had a Barney the Dinosaur carton of juice. It was a really hot day and I was so thirsty that I then had to like drink like in front of like just all these like men in suits and uber professionals. And I just felt like, I felt like so teeny tiny and like just like a little child, like out of their depth. So that always sticks out in my brain, like it's kind of like that moment of like, oh, that was actually the moment that I decided to drink coffee because I was like, I'm never letting that happen again. <laughs> that was so embarrassing. Yeah. Oh, I love that one. That is such a brilliant story of kind of that realization of like, maybe I should drink coffee yeah. just to fit in. Yeah. You make it. I sipped on disgusting coffee for the rest of the time, but it was far better than like making those like that's so funny oh I love that story that is such a great one and I think a lot of people can probably relate to a similar situation that they've had when they've just gone I'm really showing my age here like a hundred percent um so I, I kind of love asking people like obviously you've created this brilliant strategy for kind of journaling and kind of leveling up your life and making sure that you're really making the most of it but is there anything that kind of holds you back at all or anything that you're kind of working on yourself that you're improving and working through at the moment? Because like we say, none of us are perfect. None of us are the kind of the finished product and we're all usually trying to work through something at the moment. Is there anything that, you know, you're trying to be better yeah. at at the minute? Yeah, I think it's a constant process. And I think at each stage, I have a deeper level of appreciation. I talk about in the book, you know, it's a journey, but honestly, the acceptance of that can be hard, you know, that it is an ongoing process. I think like many people, you know, coronavirus was like a microscope on all the different cracks and it brought up actually an awful lot for me. One particular aspect is still around my people pleasing, which I really thought that I had got rid of, but I started to see it manifest in different ways. That kind of good girl, eager to please, you know, say what people want to hear and not necessarily voice my own opinion. Like I play it safe a lot and I hold back my opinions a lot because I'm frightened to hurt other people. But I can equally see how damaging that is. So that piece and learning to be more vulnerable. So learning just to say, I'm not having a great day right now or like this has been really difficult for me without it feeling like that devalues who I am or um, removing the shame around it. So definitely the people pleasing, which is annoying because I, you know, really thought that I dealt with that, but different lessons in a different way. And definitely the vulnerability piece, because I think when your beliefs are so ingrained, they unravel slowly. So you might observe it, but there's layers upon layers of armor that you have to break down. And it's a really hard thing to do, but I do think that, and I'm so happy that you're asking these questions because I do feel as we all move forward in the world, there has to be more acceptance that life is hard and less of this kind of like living your best life, everything's easy all you have to do is this just put on a happy positive face and everything will be okay like you know it's an unsexy unsellable message but life is hard Mm -hmm. and you're always going to have to work through stuff but I think the more that we can 
accept that and be honest with each other about that, then the less pressure it is and the more relief we can all feel. So yeah, I've definitely done a lot of work, um, particularly over the past kind of like four weeks um, for that. So much so that I just took a complete break from social media and just came off it entirely just to honour and give myself the space to do that. I'm in the stage and I'm rewriting my roles and, you know, really thinking about how do I want to move forward. So it's been really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd say definitely that was triggered by the downtime and coronavirus, for sure. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think it's great to see that, you know, even like people who have written books and, you know, are essentially self-help gurus, they are still continually working on... Um, you know, improving themselves and, and they realize that then that, that you're not the finished picture and no one is. And I think that's kind of, you know, as a 20 something to kind of listen to that, it kind of gives me reassurance because I think, you know, there's, there's this kind of pressure to always be perfect. Like you say on social media, I live the perfect life. I've got everything that's going great for me, but you know, like you say, life is a journey. And you know, what we like to say at Talk 20s is life is tough, but so are you. Um, and you've got to work through that. You've got to make sure that you're aware of this and, and you know the ways in which you, you can do better and, and kind of working through that. But it takes it takes time. So, so yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd love to know, obviously, you've got this great kind of um, book and you, I know you're working on another one as well. I'd love to know where you get your inspiration from because, you know, there's so many kind of key moments in the book and, you know, you're, you're absolutely fantastic and what you share on social media. But I wonder where you kind of get your inspiration from. It finds me. It's my outlet. So the book, for example, was never intended to be a book. Um, but I, I find it very therapeutic. Like when I go through something like writing is my, is my way of sharing. It's my way of vocalizing how I feel. And I just find it fascinating, but I don't, I feel like that book, it kind of wrote itself. Like it never, I never intended it to be that structure. I, I didn't really know how it was going to look. Cause obviously I didn't have a book in mind. They just said, would you write a book on this? You know, the same with my happiness book. It's like, and the next book that's due to come out, the publisher came to me and said, you're an expert in the field. Would you write a book on happiness? And I don't ever know how the book is going to look or what I'm going to say. And I guess that's the part of the process of just being comfortable with the unknown and feeling a bit lost. You know, you have to start somewhere. You have this blank page in front of you and you, you don't really know what you're going to write or what you're going to say. But somehow after a few months you have a book and it's come together and it's come together through just putting those thoughts on paper and agonizing over one sentence or writing a crappy draft or sometimes just it all kind of like coming out at once so I would say it finds me sometimes it doesn't come to me sometimes my husband comes home from work and I've literally written one sentence in eight hours and that's no exaggeration like some days it's really hard other days there's pages you know pages kind of down there and So yeah, I find it within myself in the sense that I think as much as we're unique as human beings, we share similar collective experiences. And so often I think if I face this, then maybe someone else has. And if I can kind of share my perspective and what I've learned through the process and combine kind of, you know, my experience with a little bit of psychology and give an insight into why that's happening and some of the science behind it, maybe that will help someone else. So yeah, I think it finds you, but I think we all have a book within us. You know, I think yes. each person has the capability to do that. I don't think it's anything particularly special. 
I love that. And I think for me, I don't know if I've shared this with you before, Sarah, but one of my lifelong goals is to write a book. Um, and I and I think like like you say that kind of gives me a bit of motivation to think like you know it is possible and it will come to you and what you want to write about you know all these things will fall into place all these dreams you have or these things that you want to do you'll get them and you'll probably get them at the right time that they need Uh, to come for you as well yeah that is such an important point I wanted all these things much earlier on and I'm so happy I didn't get them because yeah. I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. I, and I wanted them for the wrong reasons. I wanted them for the status. You know, I yeah. wanted it because it would just sound really, really great to be like, I've written a book. Yeah. But actually when it came, I was ready and I had the skills and, mm-hmm. and I was at the appropriate stage. And I, I think that's a bit that we miss in that instant gratification culture, you know, particularly, you know, we've talked a lot about social media, but it is important. You know, we see these people who are just like overnight successes and then it's like, well, why is that not happening for me? Yeah. And actually, it, it really is taking those small steps each day. Like, yeah. that is the most important thing that you can do. So when that opportunity comes, you are ready and mm-hmm. you are open to it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, like, I think I, I've written all kind of all those big dreams and goals down in a book and closed it and, like, like put it away. And I just kind of have faith that everything I'm doing will hopefully maybe lead to that one day. And, and if it doesn't lead to that, it's probably because it wasn't meant for me. And my things will change, you know, my what I wanted to achieve for my career change looks different to how I imagined it would be. And so, you know, things might change. And, and but it's important that you kind of do have those things that you in mind that you, you want to achieve, mm-hmm. but understand that it will hopefully come to you at a time that it's going to serve you the most and the, the time that you're ready ready to do it as well so I've absolutely loved chatting with you today I could literally chat to you all day Sarah but my favorite question that I love to ask that literally brings up so many different ideas usually and and so many different things that people kind of place a focus on but I only allow people to have one piece of advice Um, and it's the one piece of advice if you could turn to your 20 something year old self and look her in the eye what you would tell her relax (laughs) just relax and enjoy the process and the journey and take the pressure off I think I would just tell myself that that you're worthy you don't have anything to prove and just enjoy living and be open to life you know I really feel like in my 20s I felt like I had so much to prove to myself and to others and I don't necessarily have any regrets you know that that motivation, it pushed me and it, it was a really good thing in some ways. However, I do think that it felt heavier than necessary. And I think, you know, everything is temporary. And if you're in a space now where things are uncertain and you don't have a job or you're being made redundant for your job or the course that you're studying, maybe an event management now kind of or tourism feels a bit irrelevant Mm. or daunting like it's not it's just temporary like it will change and in 10 years time you'll look back and it will somehow make sense and you will make sense out of it so there is an element of just just take the pressure off like where you are now is not where you're going to be next year that is probably the most perfect way to sum up what we're trying to do here at Talk 20s at the moment, which is supporting anyone who's feeling that pressure from coronavirus and, and letting them know that, you know, it's okay and this won't last forever. And, you know, even the stuff that you're experiencing right now is going to be beneficial to you in the long run. You just can't see it right now. Um, yeah. But it's a really tricky time. Thank you so much for sharing 
all of your wisdom uh, about your book and about the process of journaling because I think it's going to bring so much comfort and support to, to so many people who are listening to this podcast right now. So make sure you head over and give Sarah a follow on Instagram at The Power to Reinvent. And her book is called Find Your Flow, and you can find it anywhere in uh, most wonderful bookshops. But Sarah, thank you so much. It's been amazing to chat to you. Thank you so much for having me. And I love that you're providing this platform and this honest, authentic, inspiring voice at this time. It's just really incredible. So thank you for having me and for all your kind words. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please let us know by sharing a picture on social media and tagging us too. We are at Talk20s on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. We can't wait to hear from you.